Uh, last week we did the message on stuck. I'm stuck. I, I can't get out. Have you ever got yourself in a situation that you could not change and you could not fix and you could not get out? Some of you guys are probably there right now and you're so exhausted from trying to fix it. Have you, have you ever prayed, and, and I know, you're not going to raise your hand on this, and I know nobody would be like, yeah, that's me right now, and I understand that. But have you ever been in a situation where you feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? I'm trying to get out of a hole, but all I'm doing is getting deeper. I'm, I'm trying to make two steps forward, but I end up taking three steps back. You know what I'm talking about? It's just a frustrating, I can't get ahead, I can't get out, I can't fix this. Well, that's where we found Jonah. And the, the Bible describes him being stuck. And we went through all those verses and I just kind of gave you half the verses I did. I know that because I wanted to bring you back to today to give you the second half of his prayer. Because he was miserable. The Bible described him. He said, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the belly of hell is where I'm at. He was overwhelmed. He said, the waves overcame me. The sea swallowed me up. The Bible says that he felt alone. He said, you have cast me. I'm cast out of the presence of God. Have you ever been so stuck where you feel like you're so alone? And you say, well, I've got people all around me, but they don't get what I'm going through. They could see in my head. And they could see me when I'm laying in bed. And the fact that I feel empty and I feel scared and I feel frustrated. He felt defeated. Jonah 2.7, he said, my soul fainted within me. Literally, the inner sides of me said, man, I'm just dead. I'm done. I, I'm capped out. I, I cannot do anything. And I'm talking in, 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 a, in an application to us. I'm talking about being stuck in a relationship or a financial problem or a job situation or a bad marriage or addiction. Or, and let me bring it home even more than that. You're stuck in just a place of your life where you're apathetic and there's no joy and there's no anything between you and God. It's, it's just dull. Churches are filled today with people that are just numb. They're not excited. They're not growing. They, they, don't have, they have nothing working up inside of them. You're just, you're just existing. You're just filling space. And I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm just saying that the reality, we get to the place where we just, <clears throat> there's nothing exciting going on in my heart or my mind or my life. You say, that's okay. It's not okay. You see, Jonah got to this place, and I know a lot of people are thinking, well, you're going to get into this about how Jonah was this desperate person and, and running, running from God and in a, you know, he's far off, this rebellious thing. I'm going to show you that Jonah, when I said I am Jonah, I'm going to see we are all Jonah and Jonah is in a situation that's just like us. I want to Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. If you want to get back to the joy of the Lord, we're going to draw a timeline today, okay? And, and I know you're looking at your clock, clock and watches and all those other things. Let me tell you guys, when we sat down and we're planning the services and they're saying, hey, we have too many baptisms. I said, there's no such thing as too many baptisms, okay? I don't want, I'm not going to rush a service because people have had their lives changed, all right? I mean, just a, a game can go into overtime and we're like, woohoo. I, I, I don't want church to be like, okay, lunch, this and that, our stomach. I know my stomach's growling too, but I tell you, I'd rather be doing this than anything else. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord, his God, out of the fish's belly. Jonah prayed. It's the first time we read of this. Chapter 1, there was no praying. Actually, chapter 1 tells us a lot about what's going on. Chapter 1, he's on the boat. He's got these guys around him. And I'm going to tell you guys, I want this to hit home. I want it to, 
resonate with all of us. Because listen what it says in Jonah chapter 1 verse 9. And he said unto them, and he's talking to the guys on the boat. And the man, the storm is about to break the ship. Jonah stands up. He speaks up, all right? The man of God. The man of God's there. He speaks up and he says, and he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. That's right. I'm from God's people. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. And you can imagine this outflowing of, you know, this, this preacher man. I am a prophet of God. I deliver the messages from him to you. And going on, I mean, this is, look at this. And later we find out that these are guys are not crying out to him. They're crying out to God saying, hey, God, I don't know what's wrong with this dude, but we're in a mess. Lord, we're about to die. You say, where, where are you getting with this? Just because you have a knowledge of God does not mean you have a relationship with God. Just because you're here today doesn't mean you're right with God in your life. Just because you have a spiritual title, deacon, teacher, charter member, I've been in church for 10 years, 50 years, I grew up in church my entire life, I, 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 all these different things that you have. Jonah, I am a prophet of God. I am the God of the Hebrews. I know the God of the Hebrews. All these other things that are going on in his life. Just because you have been in church does not mean you have a relationship with God just because you are here right now does not mean you have a relationship with God. He's speaking the talk. He is out there. He knows the lingo. He knows all that. But never once does this man cry out to God. What's going on in your heart right now? Jonah, now he gets stuck in his life. Maybe you're in that spot and you say, I want to feel alive. I want to to feel different. I I want to get out of this mess. So we're going to take you from stuck to free, okay? Stuck to free. I'm going to to bring you through his prayer because I tell you, a lot of us feel like I'm never going to break free. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to overcome this. And I am so sick of trying. Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. And said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Let's pray. Lord, as we lay this out, I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to understand that Jonah was in the whale for three days. And Lord, this isn't just some fictional story. Lord, this is the truth. Lord, help us to understand that the reason why we have things like this is so that we can learn and Lord, when we're stuck and we're in a situation and we hit bottom and there's no way to get out, we must realize you're the only way, you're the only hope to get us out. Lord, help us to follow the steps that Jonah did to going from rock bottom, Lord, to, to serving you. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm not going to come at a shock to you when I give you the first step. Here he is. Verse 1, verse 2 of chapter 2. He cried unto the Lord. He said, Lord, I'm in my affliction. Lord, I'm in the belly of hell. Lord, I am stuck. I am at the bottom of the ocean. Lord, I cannot go anywhere. I cannot move forward. This is what he did. So he cried unto his God. You know what that is for the first time when he is speaking to God? Here's number one. You can write this down. He restored his relationship. He restored his relationship. You said, well, wait a minute. He, he spoke the things of God and he knew the things of God and he, he cried out to God or, or had them cry out to God, but not him himself. 
What is your relationship with God right now? I'm I'm not asking your status or your position. I'm not asking even if you taught a class. I'm not asking if you grew up in the church. I'm asking you right now, what is your relationship with your God? When's the last time you prayed to your God? I'm not talking about, God, I need a quick fix, or Lord, I'm financially broke, or Lord, if you could give me a new car. He's crying out to the belly of God and we, we tell people all the time, this, this is a speech, and you guys have given it too. You go up to a lost person, you know what you're going to tell them? It's not about religion, it's about a what? We say that. So let me ask you, what is a relationship? A relationship is not doing your own thing. A relationship is when you submit to God, and we find here crying out to the God that can make a difference in his life. God has no desire to be your band-aid in your life. Say, why is it that I can never get out of the situation right here? Because God knows your heart. God knows you get in that situation and you're like, God, I am in such a mess. And Lord, I, I don't have rent for this week. And Lord, I am broke. And Lord, my car's broke down again. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm so aggravated with my wife. And Lord, I'm so frustrated with my husband. And you know, it, it's not a relationship. You're crying out to God to fix your situation, not restore my walk with you. God will not step in just to be the band-aid to your bad problem. And as long as you're looking for that, you're going to come up short. He restored his relationship. Number two, he refocused his attention. Look look with me, Jonah chapter 2, verse 4. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. He said, Lord, I've gotten away. Lord, I feel so dead. I feel so empty. I feel so void. Uh, Lord, I feel like, because remember the opening verses that we read, he ran from the Lord. Have you ever ran from the God? You got so far out there and you're just thinking, Lord, I've gotten so far that you can't even hear me. Now listen to this, the second part. Yet, I will look again towards thy holy temple. This is why he was thrown into the sea. This is why he was three days in the belly of the whale. God was waiting for this He goes from restoring and crying out and having a relationship and speaking to God to the next thing. He says, yet, Lord, I'm going to put my attention back on you. Lord, I'm going to look to you again. This is not working in my life. I am not getting anywhere in myself. Here here we are. We're in the first day of May. Is anybody else as shocked as I am about this being May already? Is it just me or did time just fly by? I know April showers bring May flowers. I've realized this. April showers bring weeds. I don't know about the May flowers, but <laughs> my flower beds and around the church and everything, just weeds. April showers brings weeds. But here we are in May of 2016. We've got a lot of blessings in this world around us, but let me tell you, we also have a lot of distractions that get our minds off God. Have you ever thought that maybe God's going to leave you in that belly? That God's going to leave you stuck God's going to keep letting you take two steps forward, two steps backwards until you get this, where God says, you've got to get the distraction off your eyes or your eyes off your distractions and put your eyes on the Lord. Get your eyes off of all these things. And I'll tell you, there's enough to distract us in this world. There's enough to get our sports schedules, our jobs, social media, our calendars. Jonah said, you know what, Lord, I just learned. I'm going to put my eyes back on you. Lord, I'm going to put you first. Jonah repeats this later when he gets into this. 
Why do you think Jonas said again? He said, I will put my eyes back on you again. Because he said, I'm not where I used to be. I need to get back to where I once was. Some of you, some of us, need to get back to where we once were. Get back again. He, uh, he restored his relationship. He focused attention on God. Notice the third thing. We're just reading down through here. He renewed his mind. Verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came and unto thee in thy holy temple. I, I know I say this a lot and it's part of most messages that I do. This is spiritual warfare. Every single day when you wake up, when you leave the church, when you walk out of here, you are facing spiritual warfare. And let me tell every man, woman, and child in this room, the warfare that you fight the most is in your head. It is in your head. You can say, you know, I, I love the pictures of spiritual warfare books where they have that guy in the armor and the flaming sword and he's sitting there slaying the dragon as it comes down on him. And man, what a cool visual of the spiritual warfare. And then you walk out and say, man, there's no dragons. No, but he'll sit aside you in your car as you're driving the thing and saying your wife, your wife, things are never going to get better with your wife. This job is never going to get better. You're probably going to fight when you get home. You're going to be at the bottom of the barrel in your finances for the rest of your life. Those people don't care about you. Those people don't love you. The church doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't even care to help you in this situation. You think I'm crazy? It happens to the best of us. Satan gets it in our minds and he feeds us lies and lies and lies. Look at that aha moment in his head. He ran in fear. He remember the first lie, I am afraid. Lord, I'm afraid what you're going to do with those people. I'm afraid that I'm going to die. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And all of a sudden, it like clicked in his head. I fainted within me, but I remembered the Lord. Something went off and instead of thinking, I serve the living God. I am a child of the King. I serve the one that has given me the victory. I don't have to fear tomorrow because I know that God's going to help me face tomorrow. Why don't we get this? You say, I I can't get out of this thing. God's waiting for it to come into your mind to realize that you have to get your mind off all these things. There's a renewing of the mind. Your marriage is not hopeless. Your health is not hopeless. Your circumstances is not hopeless. If you have that in your mind, then you don't know the God that we serve. You don't understand the God that can restore and redeem and pick up every one of these stories. And you say, these kids, are they're they're just kids. They don't know better. No, that's a story of redemption, of God doing what we could not do. When our focus and our renewed mind gets on things, praise comes. Later in the passage, he he talks about praising the Lord. He, 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 He refocused his attention on the Lord. And let me show you something. Verse 8, he removed his idols. And I know this sounds weird because he's in the belly of this whale and he's praying out to God and he's crying out to God in this situation. You say, what happened? I read this verse and I did not get it. And I know everybody has this idea, well, pastors can read and they understand everything. Not everything that I read I understand, but you know that means that there's something really good that I'm about to discover. Don't skip over stuff just because you don't understand. It means there's something rich there that God wants you to dig into. Let let me show you this. Verse 8. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Let me put it like this. 
They that trust in idols or vanities or fake or deceptful things of the devil or the things of this world forsake the very things that they need. They forsake the things that they need most in their life, which is the mercy. Somewhere along the line of you getting stuck, you started putting a lot of confidence and a lot of attention on something that was not God. As I know, we live in America But let me tell you, in America, we have a lot of idols that we can be worshiping. You might not bow down on your knees and on your hands and pray to that thing, but I tell you, it sure does capture your attention. It still sure does get our money. It sure does get our focus. It sure does draw our attention. And here's the thing. When you say, when does it become an idol? When it becomes place of God. If God is not first in your life, then you have idols in your life. If God is not first. And I'm not talking about just on Sunday morning. I'm talking about every aspect of our lives. What got you stuck? Are you, are you worshiping an idol or relationship that should not be there in your life? Or maybe it's fear or bitterness or greed or whatever it is. Or somebody you're mad at church or whatever that's getting there. And you say, man, God, God, and this thing. And God's, he said in this passage, he said, Lord, I don't want this anymore. Lord, I don't need this in my life. He restored this relationship. He got his focus on God. He's removing the idols. He renewed his mind. Verse 9. So how did God set him free? Look at verse 10. Skip verse 9 right now. This is where I want to be. This is where all of us want to be. There's one more aspect of his prayer, but I want to get you here first. And the Lord spake unto the fish and vomited Jonah upon the dry land. Have you ever thought if there's a story in the Bible that I could go back and see from my own eyes what that would be? Here's one of my favorites right here. If I could go back in time and I just want to be walking upon the shore and watch that whale just come up to the edge. And and I'm not trying to be gross here, but it's in the Bible. Vomited, projectile vomited Jonah up onto the shore. You talk about, you say, what would, what would... The first thing you would do if you were redeemed and everybody said, man, I'd run to Nineveh. No, I would take a shower. That's the first thing that I would do. (laughs) Three days in the belly of that whale, I'm going to go take a shower. You imagine, you know, up on the shoreline, him sitting there like, what in the world happened? And I know people have this idea and all the scientists and stuff, so that's mathematically impossible. I I tell you, they're the same ones that say that we came from monkeys. Just keep that in mind, okay? They're the same ones that say you came from monkeys. But look at verse 9. What was the last thing? He's just like, before he got up there and says, Lord, you set me free. Lord, you gave me a second chance. Lord, you gave me what I did not deserve. I was in a position that I could not get out of. And Lord, you have set me free to live my life when I could not do anything. I believe this is one of the most important things that we read. Verse 9. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. You know what I, you say? I, I put my mind on God. Lord, I get this junk out of my life. I, I, I'm, putting, I'm renewing my mind. I, I've got that relationship back. Lord, I'm praying to you. And God was like, day two. No, the fish, don't, don't throw them up yet. Or vomit, however, what's more politically correct here. Don't, don't, not yet, not yet, not yet. And then all of a sudden, that prayer came out of Jonah. I'm yours. Every bit of me, Lord, I'm yours. 
I, I think somewhere along his line uh, of his life, he prayed that prayer. He vowed that vow, Lord, I'm yours. When Jonah ran the other way, he was taking back what he vowed to God. And at that point, at the very point, he surrendered his life and said, God, I am yours. It's not just that that we pray. Mom and dad, it needs to be that that you pray over your kids as well. They're yours. You sit down with that checkbook and you open it up and you say, you know what, Lord? Close it back up. You may write right on the outside of that checkbook, God's. You say, what are you talking about? God is either everything or he is nothing. God, doesn't, God has no desire to take the back seat to your life. He does not desire to be the band-aid. He does not want to be plan B. He doesn't want to be any of the above. God wants to be the focus, the preeminence, the beginning, the end, the beginning of everything of your life. And at that point of Jonah's life, he literally just said to God, I surrender my life. I commit my vow. I give you the praise of thanksgiving. God, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to send me, it's yours Your life does not belong to you. We live in one of the most selfish generations that have ever been. And and I'm not cracking on this, but it's it's a matter of we are the selfie-driven generation. And I'm not knocking anybody that takes selfies or anything like that. But even that mindset of that, it's me. Because I I have my cell phone and I like taking pictures. I like taking pictures of the baptism, things that God's doing and things like that. And, I, and there's, there's this default on my phone that drives me crazy. Every time that I go to text a picture and I click on my camera, the first thing that it does is it comes up with my front camera. I'm getting ready to do this, and all I can see is this bald guy. And I'm like, get out of my way. What's that? Like, wow, what a stud. Man, no, you're just kidding. It's me. I think, what, what is the default of our phones? Oh, you want to take a picture? I bet you it's of you. No, it's not of me that I want to take a picture of. It's something else. It's my kids. We, we've got this self-driven society. When it comes to church, it's how is this going to please me? What am I going to get out of it? It's not dying to self. And we look at Jesus Christ. We look at the life that he lived. There's no greater love than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. I am determined that I promise you our generation will not see a revival. We will not see an outbreak of God's blessings. We will not see an outpouring of the Spirit of God or any of those things until we learn this principle. Self-sacrifice. Tony Liuzzo does not exist, breathe, walk, talk for me, but for him. My life, my car, my kids, my spouse, my blessings all belong to God. I take it to the altar of God. I take that Isaac in my life and I put it on the altar and I step back and I say, it is all yours. And people that get stuck in their problems and their relationships and everything because the big I is stuck in the beginning. I want it. I want them. I want this. I want money. I want more. And God says, until you take that I out and put him first, you'll never have it. You can't outgive God. There's no more greater, there's no greater blessings, there's more greater joy than putting God first in your life. May that be the theme of the people of Fellowship Baptist Church. I must decrease so that he might increase. 
Hide me behind the cross. Lift up Jesus Christ. Make the theme of my life him. At the end of that, here's, here's Jonah. All these things. Lord, I'm wrong. I've had this. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to change my thinking. Lord, I'm going to put my attention. And then at the end of it, he says, I'm, I'm yours. And God told that fish, it's time. It's time. What, what, how close are you to getting out of that pit? Out of being stuck? Out of, out of that, that bind that you're in and you've been in for a long time? Where are you at before God says, that's what I've been waiting for. 